Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. If you like what we're doing, be sure to subscribe. Today, we're going to be talking about the connection between our childhood and our child's childhood. This is something that I hold dear to my heart. And I am joined by Ashley Selling. She is a conscious parenting coach and a certified positive discipline educator. She's helped hundreds of parents become calm and confident, even in the most stressful parenting situations, through her tantrums to tranquil method. Through that method, she guides parents to first reparent themselves in small pockets of time, implement personalized education tools to meet their child's subconscious emotional needs, set healthy boundaries, and lastly, gain emotional mastery so they could feel in control of whatever comes their way. Ashley, you've helped hundreds of patients with your conscious parenting practice. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I have two boys. They're five and seven. And boy, do I have some fun parenting stories from over the years, all of which have led me to where I am today, helping parents. And so I grew up in Southern California in Orange County and about three and a half years ago, moved to Northern Idaho. And we love it here. It's so outdoorsy, a lot of accessible activities, and really focused on how to build good relationships with both of my boys and my husband as well. Oh, I love that. Just the other day, my son was asking me, he's like, have we ever been to Idaho? And I said, no, not yet, buddy. So we'll put that on your list because he's learning geography. And so that's why he asked. Actually, one time I, I drove very briefly, I drove through Idaho for about 30 minutes, but I've never like properly been to Idaho yet, I should say. We're, we need to go there in the future. So I, I love that. And I do want to hear your parenting stories for your five and seven-year-olds because I have a 10-year-old son. So I'm sure we could absolutely swap wild parenting stories there. Absolutely. So today I want to talk about the connection between our childhood and then our child's childhood and like how one impacts the other and why sometimes moms can be triggered by their child's behavior. Mm, I just love this so much. One of the biggest things that sticks out to me is when we as moms are triggered by something, it's generally because it's something we couldn't get away with in our own childhood. So for instance, if my son is talking back to me, that is going to be really triggering just on its own. But based on my own experience as a child, how I was treated by my parents and how they punished or disciplined me for having backtalk, it's going to be extra triggering if that was a sensitive subject for me when I was a child. So at the root of it, and on the surface, it might not seem that big of a deal, but at the root of it, it all comes down to something within us being triggered from our own childhood. And it's our inner child saying, oh, I couldn't get away with that. And I'm not going to let my child get away with that either. Yeah, I've heard that sort of 
with like playing in the mud. I'll give you an example, right? Like sometimes people say like, well, I don't let my child splash in the mud and get messy because like I wasn't allowed to splash in the mud and get messy as a child. Yes, exactly. That is a really great example right there. It's It just draws this parallel of how our own childhood affects our child's childhood and what we are willing to tolerate, what kind of boundaries we want to have, and then what kind of parent we want to be. And sometimes we fall right in line with what our parents did. And other times moms go in the exact opposite direction of how they were raised. Yeah. I I find myself sort of straddling both of those. And as much as, you know, I consider myself a conscious parent, I practice conscious parenting, the relationship between me and my son is absolutely tantamount and, and everything that I do hinges on our relationship together and building the scaffolding for him to be a good person as he grows up. Having said that, there are definitely times, especially when he was younger, I would say something and I would almost like hear my mother's voice like coming through the words that I said. And I don't do that so much anymore. But what I am more focused on is like, in a positive way, sometimes I do hear my mom's voice when we want to go do something fun. And we're like, hey, let's go do this like wild, exciting kind of crazy thing. I can't, you know, think of the exact example right now, but like, then I hear my mother's voice in a positive way, as opposed to reprimanding or scolding, you know, the, the tone coming through. It's often said that the words we speak to our children become their inner voice. Can you elaborate on that, Ashley? Yes. I love this quote as well. It can go both ways, right? So the way that we speak to our children really makes such a difference. And if we're speaking positive beliefs into them, if they're being encouraged, if they're being shown what to do, how to solve problems, they're going to have a set of beliefs inside their head, their inner voice, their inner child that is speaking to them in all of the moments. And it can go good thoughts, good beliefs about themselves, or it can go not so good beliefs. And how we speak to our children really can contribute to that voice that our children have in their head. Yeah, no, it's it's so beautifully said. It's something that I often think about, you know, with parenting my own son is that I don't want to use anything that he could turn against himself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and oftentimes we say like, not about commenting on a child's like physical appearance or, you know, it's more about their like acts and their behavior than it is them personally or physically. And I think it's really important to, to keep in mind. Right. Absolutely. And even taking it a step further and looking at how we're encouraging versus praising. Mm-hmm. I think there's a really big distinction there too. And looking at For instance, if my son brings home a piece of artwork and I say, wow, that's so pretty, that would be more praising. And I could encourage him and say, tell me about this. Tell me about this art project you did. What stands out to you the most? And having him tell me or share with me what is important to him about this versus me just commenting on the appearance and praising the appearance of his art project. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I think there's been a big shift in the last, I don't know, let's say generation or so, like our generation of parents to be so much more mindful and I'm going to use the word intentional in our parenting. Have you seen that in your practice? 100%. Every parent, I mean, I don't know how all of the listeners have been raised, but I was raised by yellers and yelling just does not work anymore. 
timeouts don't work anymore. And this sort of punitive discipline, it doesn't work because it doesn't feel good for us as parents, because that is how we, or I'll just say me, that is how I was raised and it didn't Mm -hmm. feel good. Mm -hmm. So I think there has been this movement towards more conscious, intentional parenting so that we don't end up accidentally passing on the same generational mistakes from prior generations to our kids. Yeah. Yeah. I I often think about generational cycles because obviously in my job, I talk often about this and and I Mm -hmm. I speak with wonderful therapists about this as well. And, And I think about my mother and I think about her parents, my grandparents, right? They they grew up in the Great Depression and World War II, and they had a lot of trauma that they endured when they were young people. And then when they had my mom, my mom was like a classic baby boomer in as much as that, you know, she was born in the 50s. Like I said, my grandfather was born in the 20s, like right in the time for the Depression, and he fought in World War II. And so they were also raised in a time where there was yellers. And so you add the the generation, all the stuff that they went through, World War II, Great Depression, all of that kind of stuff, coming home, you know, starting the baby boomer generation, all of that. You think about what they passed on to our parents from a, a trauma perspective and, and a, a yelling and, you know, certain biases and different things that, that they thought were commonplace to our parents. And then our parents, you know, tried to pass that on to us in the 80s and 90s. And now here we are just saying, wait, like, stop hold up. Like we are not going to accept that. We are not going to accept that trauma anymore. And we're going to break the cycle here, whether it's, you know, we're girls, right? Like you and I are or women. And so it's whether it's like, oh, you can't go to college or, well, she's just going to stay home and she's just going to be a mom and, or any of those kinds of things, or you're not Mm -hmm. as smart as your, as your husband, you know, it's like at some point someone had to break those cycles. And I think that's also true even parenting in the way that we run our households. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think my parents and my grandparents were in the same generations too. So my grandparents going through the Great Depression, and I remember my grandma reusing wrapping paper year after year. Like they would (laughs) unwrap their wrapping paper to save it for the next year because resources were tight and Mm -hmm. those beliefs and things are passed down and it really makes a big impact in the way that a child is raised. I mean, I could only imagine what this was my mom's mom, but having that mindset of don't waste. And of course we have that now, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's grown and it's changed. And how can we be better for future generations? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's almost like looking at it from a different perspective in as much as like they were saying, don't waste because resources were tight. And now we're saying don't waste because we want to save the planet because exactly. there was a of, of you exactly. know, several, several decades in between there where people weren't wasting and then it was extraordinarily wasteful. And now we're sort of where we are today. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about reparenting. And that obviously mm-hmm. it's what this whole conversation is about. But what does reparenting yourself mean as a modern mom? It means really taking a good look at the thoughts that are coming up in our mind in a heated moment with our children. So 
there's always a hidden meaning or clues inside what triggers us. And it holds the key to healing. It holds the key to having a better relationship with our children, having a better relationship with our partners. Because when those triggers are seen and understood and healed, it just helps us be more authentic to who we really are. And as a modern mom, I think we all want to be authentic and true to ourselves and teach our children to be true to themselves and not betray themselves. And I'm learning this as I'm parenting my own children, not to betray my own self and what I truly want in life and every day using it as an opportunity to be more authentic. So Basically, in a short nutshell, reparenting yourself as a modern mom means looking at the thoughts below the surface when we are triggered by something in our parenting. It's so beautifully said, Ashley. That's It's so beautifully said. You know, it's funny. I don't think I was in my 30s until I started to become what I would probably consider my authentic self. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you have like your all your teen years and probably like a good chunk of my 20s. And now like... I don't know if it's because of what I, you know, what we do for a living. I don't know if it's because now it's been normalized and it's okay that people talk about that kind of stuff. I don't know if it comes with age or experience. Like, at what point did you say, like, okay, now I feel my authentic self? I feel like motherhood really showed me, it it was like a mirror looking at myself. And I realized when I first became a mom that, wow, this is way deeper than I ever expected. And there were just so many triggers, so many micro traumas that came up for me in the early stages of motherhood that forced me to see who I really was and what I was willing to stand for. Because sleep deprivation as a new mom does crazy things. And there just became a point where I realized I'm not going to stand for this, or this isn't how it is for me. And realizing that I didn't have to follow along with what was culturally normal or what was socially normal. I needed to do what was best for me Mm -hmm. and my little family of three at the time. And that was, I guess, the realization that at the end of the day, how happy I am will affect my family. And if I want to have a good relationship with my child, my kids, then it starts with me being happy and feeling fulfilled so that I have more energy, more love, more joy to give back to my kids. This episode is brought to you by Modern Mom Style Box. Upgrade your wardrobe and enjoy unlimited styles for just $60 a month. Modern Mom Style Box is the first rental clothing subscription designed exclusively for moms and moms-to-be. Get started today with a free trial. Use promo code PTO. Yeah. When did you... So you said like pretty early on you knew that. I feel like for me... It wasn't until my son was much older where I sort of shed those concepts of like societal pressures. I felt so intensely 
subject to those societal pressures when my son was first born. Mm -hmm. You know, I was worried about sleeping. Mm -hmm. I was worried about breastfeeding and pumping and all of those things. And, you know, just to give a quick background, it's like I at first wasn't able to nurse. And then I started pumping exclusively. And then we gave him formula at one point. And so, and then he became a great breastfeeder and then he breastfed until he was two and a half. So we literally went from like, I did all of it. I gave him formula. I breastfed him. I extendedly breastfed him. Like all, all of those things ended up happening. And that was not really in my initial plan, you know, mm-hmm. because you don't know what those plans are going to be or yeah. how they're going to turn out ultimately. Yeah. And it's such a tough phase figuring things out and, you know, going to mom groups and things and hearing what's working for other people. And I think, I don't know about you, but when I saw, or when I thought I, I'm an ambitious person, like I can do stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, why can't I do this though for my son? And then it comes down to, you know, what's wrong with me? For me, it was sleeping. Sleeping was the thing for me. It was like, why can't I figure this out? What's, is something wrong with me? And that for a sleep deprived mom, that thought doesn't do any good. And as a logical person with plenty of sleep now, I I can say, oh, you poor thing. It's okay. Okay, it's okay. Yeah, but in those moments, sleep was hard. I I used to feel mm. like my brain was on fire. And again, we're talking like you know, really early on, my brain was just like one big giant mush dumpster fire at that point. Yes, (laughs) such a good visual there. (laughs) That was it. That was it. Probably for the first, uh, I don't know, six months, maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. four months. Big hot dumpster fire mess. I wanted to hear when you started setting boundaries and you knew that you wanted to do the right thing for your family. How old was your son? How long were you a mom for at that point? I think it wasn't actually, gosh, it's so hard to remember back to those days, but I want to say around two. So I had my second son when my first son was two. And I thought, oh, I can do this. No problem. I've done this before. Easy peasy. And it just, it was all over again. Everything was new again. And it really came to that point when my second son was born because he had a ton of allergies and I had to get really firm with boundaries of the most loving of family members of no, I can't eat that because I'm breastfeeding and this baby has allergies and I have to be careful of what I'm eating. And I guess in the beginning of setting those boundaries around what I was able to eat or not eat, that it felt like (laughs) this might sound bad, but I could put the blame on my baby. Like, oh, I have to take care of my baby. But it actually gave me just this new level of confidence of being able to be certain of, no, actually I'm not able to do this XYZ thing because that doesn't work for my family. And just with the more practice with the dietary needs, it became easier in other areas too. Yeah. There is definitely something about motherhood that is so empowering when we know that we're doing the best for our children. And then that gives us a certain confidence. Like you said, that gives us a certain confidence to set boundaries in other ways that maybe we hadn't done before the kids were born. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah, that that was probably one of my favorite takeaways too. Like I felt like a total badass 
when my son was born and I was able to do certain things for him, whether it was the, I don't know, the sleep deprivation or (laughs) (laughs) I don't know any of those things, but, but it is true. I think there is like a certain, and I don't like to call it superpower because I think that's just like super overused and, and all of that, but there's definitely an empowerment that comes as a mother to do all the, and I'm using this in air quotes, right things for your family and right things being things that you feel that is best for your family situation. Absolutely. And advocating for our Mm -hmm. children too. I mean, there's nobody that's going to advocate for my kids like I'm going to. And same for the listeners. There's no one that's going to advocate for your kids more than you. There might be grandparents that love them, teachers that love them, but at the end of the day, it's on us as their moms to advocate for them as best we can. And I think that also taught me a really great lesson that it's it's up to me. And that's yeah. it's actually a really heavy emotional burden though at times. Like there's no one coming in to save the day but me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I totally agree that the, you know, super mom in air quotes is overused because gosh, I don't want to be a super mom. I want to just be me and do what I can, but also not overdo it to the point of exhaustion. Exactly. I I think that is such a huge, huge takeaway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For all the takeaways that we could talk about today, I think that's probably one of the biggest ones. And and my son now is getting to an age where I'm starting to teach him to advocate for himself, whether it's Mm -hmm. at school or extracurriculars, because I won't always be there, right? And so I want to build the right scaffolding for him to be the one to advocate for himself going forward. Absolutely. I bet you're setting such a great example of that. Gosh, I try. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just like in everything with motherhood, gosh, I try. Yes. (laughs) So going back to reparenting yourself, what does it look like? What does it not look like? How long does it take? Yeah, so... Reparenting for me, and it can be a little different for everybody, but I do it just in the small moments of the day when I can. And I, it looks like for me, I put my hand on my chest and I say, what do you need? What do you need, Ashley? And I just listen to that voice of what is it that I really need? And generally it's a younger version of me coming in who's acting sassy or upset about something. And she's like, I don't want to cook dinner. (laughs) And I'm like, I know that girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then adult Ashley comes in and says, gosh, I know that you really don't like cooking dinner and it's okay. I feel you. I got you. And I'm literally saying these things to myself again, generally with my hand on my chest, because for me, that helps me connect to myself. I'll close my eyes and take a deep breath. And and I'll say to myself, I understand you don't like to cook. It's all good. If this meal comes out like crap, I got your back. It's all good. And even if your kids don't eat it, you know what? You tried. So let's just go and do this thing. And then we'll go do something fun afterwards. I literally have this conversation with myself about whatever it is that I'm upset about. And at the end of it, before I close out, I always tell the younger version of me, I love you and I've got your back no matter what. 
And it just feels so good to see myself in that way and hold myself in that way. So that's what reparenting looks like to me. And it, it literally can take 15 seconds sometimes. If there's something really upsetting to me, then maybe it takes a few minutes. But I think there's just, it, it doesn't take a lot of time to reparent yourself. And I think there've been some misconceptions over that. So I wanted to make sure to say that. Yeah. So what are some of those misconceptions? I think that people, reparenting is such a big buzzword lately, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and it can sound really daunting of, I got to go to therapy. I have to spend hours journaling, or I have to spend hours meditating, or even, you know, 30 minutes might feel like a long time. And it doesn't need to take that much time. It can truly just be 15 seconds here, 15 seconds there with no extra time needed, like in the moment of something stressful happening. Cooking dinner is not my favorite thing. So it's often that I'm I'm having this conversation with myself about cooking dinner, but also in the heat of the moment with my kids, if something happens or if they're not listening, And really taking a moment to say, hey, Ashley, I got you. I know that your son isn't listening right now, but we've got this. We can do this. And yeah, that's what it looks like to me. So beautiful. I completely relate to the not wanting to cook dinner because at 4.30 every day, it's like as if it doesn't happen every day, but but it does it at 4.30 every day. I'm like, gosh, Tara, I guess we're going to have to think about dinner now, won't we? And I don't show myself as much grace as you do (laughs) pre-dinner, but I'm going to start to because I think it's important. Good. I'm happy to hear that. And I think, you know, you asked, what does reparenting yourself not look like? And it really is the only thing that it doesn't look like is beating ourselves up, right? Like, gosh, I could have cooked this dinner better or, you know... It's reparenting is not about beating ourselves up. Not that those thoughts won't ever come and not that we're necessarily bypassing them, right? Sometimes, you know, sometimes reparenting is about hearing all the negativity that we have to say and then coming back and saying, I love you, even though you have these crappy thoughts about yourself and I've got you, I've got your back. So, because that's what yeah. we would say to our our own children if they were upset. You know, exactly. I love you even when you're having a tantrum. I love you even when you are struggling. Yes, hundred percent. And I often ask my clients, "What would you do if your daughter came to you and said that she felt inadequate over X Y Z thing?" And my client will say, "Oh, well, I would tell her she can do it. It's okay." And I'm like. Bingo. That's what you need to say to yourself. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ashley Selling, it is such a pleasure to talk with you. Tell everyone where we could find you online. Awesome. So I'm on Instagram as Ashley Selling. I'm on Facebook, ashleyselling.com. My last name is S-E-L-I-N-G and Ashley is A-S-H-L-E-Y. I love it. You are fantastic. I hope we could do this again in the future. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Tara. This was such a fun conversation.
Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another Modern Mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.